Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. And let's go to Galatians chapter 5. It will take me just a few minutes, as it always does, to get to our uh, text that we'll be reading from. We are continuing a message um, that we have called Roots, and we are looking at uh, just some of the doctrinal beliefs as a church. These aren't new beliefs. Uh, these aren't beliefs that have been around for 100 years. These are beliefs that, that are orthodox. They are, they've been here since time the church began, right? And uh, this wasn't something that started at some council meeting. Uh, this is what the church has always adhered to. There's a lot of history in this. And, and I think it's so important, and uh, I didn't mention this in the earlier service, but it's so important that uh, we have these fundamental beliefs um, indoctrinated and rooted into our soul. It, you know, because if you look at the history of church, Men and women, they were burned at the stake for a lot of these beliefs that are fundamentals for us. And so the, the notion and the idea to think that these are just, oh, come on, give me something deeper, preacher. Like, like I need help with this. I need help with that. Let me just lay this out there for you. You can soak it in. You can do whatever you want to with it. Because, uh, I mean, I'll go home after this, and I'll let you wrestle with it on your own, you know. Um, if you don't have a right theology and a right doctrine or, or, or idea of God, concept of God, and, and the truths of his word, really the conversation doesn't need to continue. Uh, because if you have a right understanding of God and what we adhere to, really our fundamental beliefs, uh, then I think after that you'll begin to view things differently. You'll begin to view yourself differently, your situations differently, um, and all of these things. Now I'm making this introduction way too long. Um, today I want to talk about the third guy. Uh, I know some of you automatically know what I'm talking about, uh, but the third guy is the guy that we don't really like talking about, or Amen. we put a little bit too much emphasis on, especially if you grew up like I did in charismatic church, and uh, you think the third guy is about what he can give you and what he can do. Uh, it's like a sign or something. Uh, but I would like to just kind of give us uh, just some good groundwork as what Holy Spirit uh, is he is a person? He is a part of the Trinity. Uh, we adhere to the Trinitarian doctrine uh, that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is not the Son. God is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not. And on and on I could go. Uh, and that's yeah. That's that was really fast. Um, but they are three persons. One. I wasn't speaking in Spanish, nor was I speaking in tongues. Um, uh, they are three distinct persons, but they are in one essence, and that. Uh, what I mean by that is they are one God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 would say, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, He is one. And so you see this throughout all of the Bible that I don't have time to get into this morning, that the Trinity doctrine is all laced throughout the Scripture. Uh, however, you won't find that word. You will find the evidence of that word in the Scripture. Um, Jesus talked about uh, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to... His name, Holy Spirit. We will call him Holy Ghost. If you are KJV guy or gal, that's fine. Your translation may say ghost. Um, I'm not going to argue 
with that translation, but I'm going to argue with that translation. I'm not particularly fond of the word ghost, not because I don't know what that means, but because culture, I think, has turned that word and the person of the Holy Spirit into some spooky guy who's like this white sheet um, with the eyes poked out uh, around Halloween. This is particularly the time you'll hear about the Holy Spirit uh, because back in July, they started getting out Halloween stuff. And uh, I mean, can we wait till October at least? That's my one soapbox for the day. Got 15 more to go. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We think Holy Ghost is like some spooky Casper, the friendly ghost, that he's some fictional cartoon character. That is not who he is. He is a person. And we're going to find this out in John chapter 14. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, and he does this in a way that only Jesus can do. Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, "Um, I'm going to go, or, or I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. I like two words that Jesus uses when he's talking to his disciples. Another and counselor. Another is the implication that he's not giving you another God. Like this isn't like Jesus is like, hey, guess what? Polytheism. There are multi-gods out there. We're just going to ask, oh, Holy Spirit, Casper, to come on down and help us. This is not what Jesus is implying. When you look at the word another, this is just Jesus saying that one like me. I'm going to send you someone who's just like me, someone who holds the same deity from the same godness. I'm going to send you one who is just like me in compassion, just like me who, who is here for you and here, who is here with you. And so when you look at this, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you another, and then I like this word right here, y'all, counselor. All right, he ain't talking about Miss Amy. He ain't talking about me, all right? Although we need Miss Amy and we need, we need some counseling. Y'all need to get in counseling, okay? Yeah. I need to get in counseling. Yeah. I use you guys as my go-to all the time. It's probably not healthy for any of us. <laughs> it's not working at all for me, actually. Um, anyway, he's sending the counselor. Now, your translation, again, got to go back to some of these translations. May have a different word. May have helper. May have teacher. May have advocate. And I love, I love that because he gives you all these plethora of uh, definitions of the word counselor. And the Greek word that he uses in here is parakletos or paraclete, which is, if you're looking at that word in detail, it's very difficult to uh, describe because it can mean all of these different things. And I like that. That's powerful. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm sending you the paraclete. I'm sending you counselor. Oh, wait a minute. He's not just counselor. He's also helper. Yeah, but he's also helper, but he's not just helper. He's not just counselor. He's also teacher, but he's not just teacher. He's not just counselor. He's not just helper. He is, um, he's your advocate. Okay. He's your friend. And so the list goes on and on and on. So essentially Jesus is like, I'm sending you one who is just like me, who is all of these things, all of these characteristics that I've given you. He's gotten more for us. And so you and I, what we have access to, that you and I who are regenerate believers in Christ, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You ain't got to come up here and beg for Holy Spirit to come in and fill you. At the moment of regeneration, when Christ comes and redeems you and saves you from darkness to life, here comes Holy Spirit and he is inside of you. 
Now, Jesus goes on. He says, I'm sending you a counselor. Just a few things that I want to point out about that word. Here's what this can mean. That not only is he a counsel, counselor, one who is giving you guidance, one who is in your heart. You know, you know those things like deep down inside of you know that are right. Perhaps it is Holy Spirit guiding you. I'm like, you know it's going to go wrong if you make that choice. You know it's going to go wrong for you. Not only is he the counselor, but he's a teacher. Now, there, this is Matthew speaking. I don't believe there, there are no new revelations to be discovered. All right? Contrary to some of what uh, religions would tell you, there are no new discoveries to be had with some revelation, deep revelation. But I like this because the Holy Spirit acts as a teacher. So the things that you've forgotten, he's there to remind you of. Not only is he that, but he's also a helper. Someone who is there in the dark night of the soul, who is there guiding you, helping you through when you are at your most anxious moment in life. Holy Spirit is there guiding and helping you. And I love the word, one of the words used also is advocate. Now we think of advocate and you think of this in legal terms. You have someone who is there on your behalf. And I like this because Holy Spirit is here then as an advocate to our soul. Because here's where my battle is. My battle is up here in my mind. And my mind is telling me, you'll never be good enough. My mind is telling me, that was the worst sermon that you could ever preach. And some of you may say amen to that, but please don't. You hurt my feelings. He may, you may be telling yourself in your mind, you're not good enough. You know that past that you have? That's all you will be. And this is the war that we're raging in our mind. But Holy Spirit comes in and begins to advocate for your soul and says, yes, the universal indictment is correct. You are guilty. But in steps Holy Spirit and says, however, you're forgiven. The world has accused you of this, and they may be perhaps correct in their accusation to you. But Holy Spirit says, because you have been regenerated by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his grace, I have now covered you, and now you are mine. Amen. This is why we need that advocate of our heart to tell us that, yes, maybe you are scummy, and maybe you are slummy, and any other S word that is... G-rated that I could think of because we have children in the room this morning. But our legal advocate, I gotta move on. Our legal advocate is here. Jesus later says, so so here's Jesus out uh, laying out to us who he is and who the Holy Spirit is. And then he just kind of gives us this kind of abrupt sentence. Found in the next chapter, in chapter 16 and verse 6, Jesus then looks at his disciples and says, Now, boys and and people, listen to me. It's to your advantage that I leave. Because if I don't go, this advocate, this paraclete, won't come to you. Amen. And and if I go, then you get the helper. So it's actually to your advantage. Isn't that crazy? The idea that some of us think, well, I wish I was a disciple back in the early church day because Jesus would be walking around. He'd be telling me what to do. He'd be reading my thoughts. None of y'all want that. I need Jesus buzzing up here and 
Tell me I heard that. I'm like, I didn't say anything. Yeah, but you thought it. And I saw it. That's what Jesus did, y'all. And Jesus is like, no, it's to your advantage. And it's to our advantage. And now we have Holy Spirit. So, so maybe, yeah, you, you want to be the disciple and have Jesus walking physically beside you. But Jesus is like, hey, you got the same thing. You got Holy Spirit inside of you. So this is what we, uh, as a church, adhere to, that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he's here inside of us. And he's here inside of us to serve a purpose inside of us, and that's uh, to empower us and to lead us into a holy life. There was a pastor and theolo- uh, theologian, uh, J.I. Packer, if you've ever heard of him, uh, he said this about the Holy Spirit and the implications of the Holy Spirit, that holiness is the fruit of the Spirit Amen. displayed as the Christian walks by the Spirit. Let me say that again. Holiness is the fruit of the Spirit displayed as the Christian walks by the Spirit. So our response uh, being empowered by Holy Spirit is that we are bearing fruit. So understand this, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, dwelling in every one of us. And now we should be bearing fruit. Now I use that term, I don't use that term lightly, should, should be, because I don't believe in shooting on people. Like you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Uh, however, uh, that if you are, in other words, if you are a believer in Christ, your life should reflect this in Galatians chapter 5. Because... I would prune a, a, a peach tree. I would prune a tree, a fruit tree that isn't bearing fruit. I mean, that's the logical thing to do. Likewise, don't you think that a loving father would also prune you if you aren't bearing fruit? Okay. Here's Paul in Galatians chapter 5 giving us an idea, or really a, an incredible concept of what it looks like when believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here's what their life looks like. And he gives two verbs that I want to use and point out. And and I'm going to read this text for us, and this will will go a lot faster, maybe. Verse 16 says this, "And And I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are, here's another one of those verbs, led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, <laughs> hatreds, strife, jealousy. I don't know why I'm going so slow with this. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy. At some point, I'm like, Paul, can you just shut up? You've described me already 14 times. Do you have to keep on describing me anymore? I mean, I just lose my place in this. Idolatry, Harry Potter, hatreds, sorcery, in other words. Uh, Strife, jealousy. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. So basically, they're like, all that sin. 
Paul's just like, he's just going mad on these people. Like, oh, y'all just a bunch of sinners. And I warned you about all these things. And as I warned you before, that those who practice such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. And everybody can now breathe because Paul's about to give us a breath of fresh air here. But, but, my junior high brain is going somewhere, but I'll reel it back in. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, Holy Spirit inside of you, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So there are two camps here Paul's laying out for us. One is the works of the flesh, which at all times will be at odds with the works of the Spirit. Amen. So we have this raging war going on right now. In this room, where your flesh is driving you somewhere, and the Spirit of God, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit in you is like, that's not the direction you need to go in. You need to go here. The works of the flesh, they offer this. Drunkenness, enviness, hatred, burst of rage. All of those things. That's what the sin nature offers. But here's what Jesus is saying, what he offers on the table. Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. I don't have them all memorized, so don't judge me. Um, Self-control and all those other good things. The fruit of the Spirit. And so here's what Paul is getting to. Some of us in the church, we have allowed, and here's what Paul is going to just really violently address to the church of Galatians. You've allowed these uh, false heresies or, or these heresies to creep up in the church and you've given in to them. Yeah. And so now you think it's acceptable to act like this. So Paul is having to come into the church and be like, this is not right. Okay. Stop sleeping around with people that ain't your spouse. Okay. This is one of the first things that he gives us. Sexual morality. This is a work of the flesh. It is not a bad thing when it is in the confines of a biblical understanding of it. But when we take that and interpret it however we want to, Paul's just coming in here swinging. He's like, some of y'all sleeping around with folks you ain't got no business sleeping around, and you better stop. Okay. You are not a follower of Christ if you are continuing in this lifestyle. Sex is for the man and the woman, the husband. You've got to clarify that, especially in our culture, and the wife. Yeah. Paul is addressing this. The problem is, is that we as a society and a culture have just become so individualistic. Well, I just want to feel with me. Today I want to wake up and I want to be a dog. I want to change my identity. As a dog. Have y'all seen that crazy stuff? I'm not making this stuff up. I see this on the news. I'm like, what? Sometimes I just scratch my head like, God, please just come. Wipe them all off the face. I ain't got patience with people, I guess. (laughs) Individualism has crippled our society. 
and and so and so he gives us um, he tells us sexuality, religion, right? And again, this is uh, not just sorcery and idolatry. This is anything that we have allowed to either overcomplicate the gospel or add to the gospel. Yeah. Works of uh, the law, legalism, as if it's your own doing that you gain grace. Paul's like, man, you, you're following after your flesh. Like, you have to do something. He says, and if that's not you, here's us. Attitudes of the flesh. Here are the attitudes of the flesh. Enmity, strife, jealousy. So enmity, this hostility. I mean, who wants to be around someone who is always stirring strife? Marinda calls them the drama llamas. She tells me, she says, I'm not going to expose too much. She says, I, I pull my team together and I say, I will not tolerate drama llamas. That's a good way to remember it. I mean, I've remembered it. Paul is essentially doing a Miranda thing here. When you drama llamas causing strife, okay. causing friction. And some of us, and, and you know, I, I know, I know a lot of people who say they're Christians who are always bent on stirring up something. Okay. Can I just lovingly press you? You are not a follower of Christ. Amen. Because Paul just said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. All you're doing is following after the works of your flesh. Now, if you're like me, you're like, where's the hope? You know? Now, I ain't causing strife, but I got some of these issues that Paul's talking about, not only just with your attitude, but the results of the attitudes. Not just, notice he's attacking an internal issue with your heart. Yes. Now, here are the results of your attitude. Yes. Temper tantrums, fits of anger. Amen. Rivalries. Dissensions, divisions, envy, those people who are always kicking others when they're down. Oh, yeah. Why is the church known for that? Okay, Ma. It's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> we we get we get <laughs> it's it's madness. It is, it's madness. So Paul is saying like, okay, here's, and then, then he says, all right, if that ain't you, then drunkenness. Now again, this isn't just about an external issue because it's not just drunkenness, it's an addiction that he's addressing. Yeah. And don't think, well, I don't do drugs and I don't, I'm not an alcoholic. Don't think that you're out uh, of, of the clear here because those aren't just things that you could be addicted to. Okay. You could be addicted to yourself. Mm. You'll hear that. I don't know if that was mummering and complaining or like some of y'all like caught the Holy Spirit like he's a 
fastball or something, which, by the way, is incorrect theology. Holy Spirit is not a fastball you catch, by the way. Anyway, um, because those aren't, and, and like, and I know this is true because those aren't the issue. You're addicting your addiction to uh, sex, whatever, alcohol, drugs, um, food. You're addicted to anything, gambling, power, whatever it is. That's just a mask that's covering the internal issue. So Jesus isn't necessarily just like, yeah, okay, you're not going to find freedom if you cover up an addiction. Because what are you going to do when you stop alcohol if you haven't got to the root of the issue? You'll do something else. Amen. You'll be addicted to ice cream. You'll be addicted to coffee. And the, the, especially blue, but uh, those aren't bad things. But they're bad things when they become the ultimate thing and you're just masking okay. the internal issue of your heart. So he says, for those who are walking by the Spirit and who are led by the Spirit. And I love those two verbs he uses because uh, walking by the Spirit is, is God, you are walking one way. And however, your soul is trying to go a direction that the Holy Spirit is trying to take you, not take you in. Okay. But we've got to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Then you are led by the Holy Spirit also, which is just allowing our hearts, aligning our hearts with Christ and allowing Him to lead us and guide us. Now, I know that's a big weight to, to feel because you're like, where's the hope in that preacher? Like you described me at least five times in this passage. And I love this because he doesn't leave you hanging. Because the world has all of these things to offer. Envy, strife, the constant war in your soul. But here's Jesus laying out a different life. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I have to offer for you. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. I love it to use just fruit. Because if I were to go to these nine fruits, I'd be like, yeah, I'm pretty good with that one. But I'm terrible at patience. Okay. And my wife can affirm that. I, I was going to go somewhere, honey, but you gave me the look. You know, because sometimes she's a little slow, and I'm like, babe, we got to go. Because I'm not a patient person. I blame my father for it because <laughs> I don't want to take any blame for my own actions. <laughs> Not a patient person. Sometimes I, 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 don't, I have no self-control in some things. Uh, sometimes there, there, there is no evidence of peace in my own heart. So here's where the Holy Spirit steps in and he's advocating for those things. To come. Okay. So he's saying this is a fruit of, it's not one that you could pick and choose. So the first fruit he gives is his love. I mean, what love do we have to mimic than the love that our Father gave through his Son Jesus to give his life for us? Yeah. And so I believe that Paul is saying that's the same love that you have to have. Amen. That's sacrificial, not the emotive love, not the love of emotion. Not the love that you have for uh, Fluffy the dumb dog or your love for uh, your favorite restaurant because those are an emotion, emotional ties. Okay. 
They have no eternal significance. Your dog does not have eternal significance. And everybody already knows cats don't have eternal significance unless they are burning in the bad place downstairs. <laughs> Sorry, children. This is what your parents have to endure every Sunday. We're here to grow church. <laughs> this is the love that's sacrificial. The love of the will. The love that says, despite you are crazy, I'm going to stay with you. Love. He says, love, joy. Now, again, this a joy word, it, it comes up in the New Testament about 60 times. Okay. And he's not just talking about happiness. Please, for the love of all of humanity, please be happy. Yeah. We don't need bitter, <laughs> sad Christians Amen. all the time. Amen. Oh, I'll preach in just a second, honey. Just hold on. <laughs> what, what good... And i got to stop because I'll get on a tangent here, and my time is dwindling very quickly. Now, the thing with, with happiness, please be happy. Please, please be happy. But sometimes happiness isn't there, particularly as my go-to analogy every Sunday. When you drive on the road in Valley, your happiness leaves immediately, and you are then praying for the reign of terror and wrath to consume. Apocalypse happened now, except for on me, because I'm the best driver. Yeah, use your blinker, please. Every one of you listen to me very carefully. Watching online, listening. I don't know why we got to pass a law about cell phone usage when y'all can't even use your blinker. It ain't hard. There, done. Uses hardly any joy. Joy, joy, joy. We got to get back to joy. When those feelings are gone, those happiness feelings are gone. Joy is still there. Okay. Love, joy, yeah. peace, yeah. patience. Yeah. I mean, I can't overemphasize patience in the church. How many people within a church or within a or friends that you may have in your own life, how many of your friends have left or you just stopped being friends or people have left the church simply because there wasn't that fruit of patience. Yeah. Because their circumstances were pretty heavy and making them act a little intolerable. Let's be honest. Sometimes people act crazy. Did y'all know that? Well, I'm here to give you a deep revelation. We act crazy sometimes. And our knee-jerk reaction to the person acting crazy is to what? Well, I'm not really feeling this relationship anymore. There's really nothing in it for me. You have no fruit of the Spirit if there is no patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. Um, kindness. Kindness is, uh, I mean, I hope you know what kindness is, okay? And then goodness, because those two seem like they're the same thing, but goodness is going to take it a little step further. It's actually going to be like the action of kindness. Okay. So, yeah, you, you want to be friendly. You want to be kind to people. But I don't need your prayers most of the time. 
You, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times we'll, we'll tell people, well, I'm praying for you. There's, there's great significance to power of prayer. Please don't hear me. I didn't say that. But a lot of times, you're hurting brothers and sisters who don't need your prayers. They actually need something that can meet a need in your life. Okay. Amen. So can we stop Amen. with the Christianese language? I'll pray for you, brother. Yeah. In fact, you probably won't even say that. You probably won't even pray. No, and let's actually do something. A fruit of the Spirit isn't how great you pray. A fruit of the Spirit is how you treat people. Amen. Help us, God, today. Fruit of the Spirit. i got to get back. All right. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. I mean, I can go on in all these, but... The world is presenting to you sex, power. You've been done wrong, be envious. Get jealous of your neighbor. Get, get what they have. Steal it if you have to. Blow them up if you have to. That was kind of violent, Willie. Um, get you to talk to Miss Amy after this service. <laughs> I mean, I feel you, man. I feel like sometimes I wish I had a bazooka on my car just to go ahead and end all the world's suffering. You know what I'm saying? And the world is presenting to you this false idea of what life should look like. But in the end, you're drawing from a well full of sand because those things in the end do not satisfy you. And Jesus is saying, I'm not going to offer you what the world offers My presentation to you and what I've laid out to you on the table this morning is the fruits of the Spirit. For all these things, love and joy. And and this is what, and and let's be honest, this is a frank, brief conversation this morning. This is what our culture and our society needs. They don't need churches and Christians who are angry. And who are always throwing their fist up in their faces saying, well, you're wrong. Well, you should be doing this. What our world needs is some compassionate, friendly people. A church who is marked by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so here's Paul being what Paul does best, very rough around the edges with the church. And he's saying to them, If you are not living under the fruit of the Spirit, you are not a follower of Christ. In fact, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is our hope? Our hope is that we look to Jesus, what he's done for us. And in those moments where we don't have it right, remember what he said in John? I'm sending you that paraclete. Holy Spirit to come in and advocate for your soul. Amen. I'm sending you the guide to tell you, hey, you know what? That drama llama that you're wanting to be right now, chill out with that. Get the Holy Spirit inside of you. When we're dealing with anxiousness, when we're dealing with guilt, with shame, with envy, with all of these issues, church, do you understand you have to your advantage, Holy Spirit in you. So it's been birthday palooza for me as a family, my family, in my household. We have four birthdays just in our house. 
in a span of seven days. Amen. I have a GoFundMe page set up right now to take care of bills. I'm just kidding. I'm not a millennial. Anyway, um, it was a joke. People, calm down. Calm down. Actually, I think I probably am. I don't know. I'm the elder millennial. That's, that's what I am. Anyway, it was birthday week. I totally forgot where I was going. Uh, Miranda, Ezra have one on the 21st. Nora, Jude's is on the 24th, and then Nora celebrated one on Friday. And it's just big party time for us. Um, so Miranda got this. Uh, she got a gift, and she wanted me to order her something on Amazon. And it's one of these, these things. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called weighted blankets. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty cool concept. It, it helps with anxiety. It helps with um, a lot of uh, a lot of things, a lot of mental issues, a lot of um, just stress. Uh, I mean, it helps with a ton of stuff. Okay. She looked at me and she said, after she put it on her, she said, "Now I have a new husband. <laughs> Since you won't hold me." <laughs> and then I ripped it to shreds and I burned it. No, that would have been awesome. And then she probably would have had a new husband, but. I'm digressing way too much. Like I, I thought about, like, it, it's a heavy, it's like a 15-pound blanket that covers her. And so what it does is, like, it just compresses your body. And in, in theory, and I think this is actually what happens, it really just kind of helps you relax, okay. compresses you. And it's like all the weight of the blanket just kind of releases all of the tension in your body. When I think about all of you wives like, you better get me one husband because you ain't holding me. Think about, think about the work of the Holy Spirit. So before he comes and before he uh, comes inside of us, he comes down, the weight of the glory of God comes down in Acts chapter 2. The weight of the Holy Spirit blankets the church. And what you have access to right now is the weight of his glory blanketed on top of you to release and remove all of the cares, all of the anxieties of the world. That's what we, that's what we have that the world does not have. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for... Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.